party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week my guest on the show is Aram Varshian, who joins me for a game of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Aram is the host of God's Fall, a heavily edited Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast with soundtrack and special effects and an ongoing story in which the gods have fallen and the player characters are the new gods rising in their wake. You can find more information about God's Fall at godsfall.com or in the show notes. Aram is also the host of Rise of the Demigods, which is a God's Fall side series which airs on Twitch. You can find that at twitch.tv slash godsfall. Dungeons and Dragons is, you know what D&D is. It's the game they play on screen. It's on Stranger Things. Come on now. Before we dive in, a real quick note. Rather than tell you about Dungeons and Dragons, which you already know about, I'd like to tell you about a podcast that I really enjoy that I think you should check out and I think is really worth your time. The Autonomic Podcast is an all-ages actual play set in the mysterious world of Respite, a magical land filled with terrifying monsters, supernatural plots, and kids just like you. Join a protector, detective, a warrior, and a trickster as they solve mysteries, learn about themselves, and unlock weird and wonderful powers. The world needs more actual play content for all ages. You know, I am as guilty of this as anyone, but a lot of actual play content is sort of adult-focused, which means that there are large sections of audiences that are being ignored, and there's not a lot of actual play that families can listen to together. And I think that's part of what makes Autonomics so special, is it creates this space that is evocative and rich, and it gives this new look and feel to fantasy, and it is cool and different, And but it's also... It is appropriate for all ages, and, like, kids can listen to it with their parents, kids can listen to it on their own, and it's a really interesting and special thing that I think is well worth your time. Putting aside the fact that the performers, you know, Cat Cool, Pranks Paul, Liz Anderson, Taylor B. Hill, and Steven Kropa are all spectacular and wonderful, I think it's well worth your time, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. I highly recommend checking it out. You can find more information at autonomicpodcast.com. And with all that said, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I'm sitting down with Aram Vardian. Aram, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thank you for having me. So real quick, at the top of the show, why don't you take a moment to let the lovely listeners at home know about any projects that you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Okay, well, I am currently working on my main podcast, God's Fall, which you can find at godsfall.com. And I'm also working on a new spinoff show that's both a podcast and a video show, which is called Rise of the Demigods. And you can watch that uh, every Wednesday at 6 at uh, 6 p.m. Central on twitch.com slash godsfall. And that's also in a podcast version as well. Fabulous. That's, that's super cool. I, God's Fall is one of the... One of one of the like seminal actual play examples. So I feel like it is. A, I feel like it is. It's real good. It real Thank good. You. It real good. Thank you. I really so, started on a lark. I started just because I wanted to bring some. I just I just thought editing would be interesting and some like production value. I just thought it might be a fun project, and then it just kind of took off. I I I know that. Why it's exactly why the reason I started Party of One was. So, because I had a closet full of role-playing games, and I said I should probably actually find an excuse to play these with yeah. people. Also, scheduling with one person is way easier than scheduling with four. So much Done. easier. Yeah. So show booked. <laughs> so this week we are playing Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, the classic, the standard bearer. Um, so why don't you take a moment and introduce us to your character, give us their backstory, tell tell me where they are, where they are starting their journey today. 
Okay, so I am starting with my monk, Kalar. And Kalar has no last name, just a first name. He is a human monk and was raised in a monastery as servitude to the god Ilmater. Uh, Ilmater believes in making sure that in basically self-sacrifice for the betterment of everyone. And Kalar belongs to a pretty, a kind of a specific sect of that religion where they will train their monks and their acolytes to service others and to have no personal drive or desire or will almost. They just live in servitude of others. He is true neutral uh, and has no moral compass of his own, simply adopts the moral compasses of those that he serves. And as far as where he's starting, it can be anywhere Mm -hmm. because one of the last tenets of this Religion is that once they leave the monastery, they go somewhere, sit under a tree or next to a a, a fountain or where or wherever their their you know kind of like opium laced dream journey tells them to mm-hmm. go, and wait for the first person they see, and then they serve that person forever. So, I want to ask you. Sure. Where you are at? You our story begins in like a grand mead hall, okay. one of these big like. You know, one of these big everyone in the everyone in t- like everyone in town. I think it's almost a combination mead hall barracks, like underground city kind of. Perfect. You know, giving it that that sort of big D and D larger than life flair. It is the top floor of which the part that is above ground is just a mead hall that is the yep. size of like an industrial warehouse. Awesome. And then there is a small town fort barracks complex underneath. What is Kalar doing in this mead hall in the height of, like, a, you know, raucous, big, elaborate, like, feast? Music is playing, bards are singing, magic is in the air, chicken, like, big turkey legs are being thrown (laughs) from table to table. Big, raucous picture. What is Kalar up to? I would say that this would be all so new to him, and he would want to experience everything, but would also be a little bit timid so maybe would grab a you know a meaty uh chicken leg out of the air bite into a try and you know and join in with everyone else but is is, it's almost childlike in -hmm. his desires because he hasn't experienced a lot of this never has drank ale either so that would be a first excellent so yeah you're 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 surrounded you're almost overwhelmed right there's almost a sensory overload going on because people are shouting and there is screaming and there is music and at the the at the top at the head of the hall right there's the table that faces everyone else and that is where the the jarl of the community sits old big beard crusty like crust i'd say crusty is a good adjective for it yeah that's sort of that's sort of like just not just a little unpleasant, a little unpleasant to be around, but is in this position of power, so so you know, you have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Absolutely. And he raises his uh I think he's got like uh I'm gonna say it's a bone scepter. Okay. It's almost a spinal cord and a like and a skull that has been like decked out with jewelry and such. And he raises this and he, he says, like, tonight we celebrate for tomorrow this may all go away. And he's very, he's sullen and he's, 
I'm going to ask you for this. I think I'm going to ask for a skill check. And I'm okay. going to ask you for a skill check to make uh, to see if you can ask me some questions about what is happening here. Sure. I think this might be an insight roll. Absolutely. That is going to be 12. On a 12, I'll tell you what you notice and you can ask me one question about like what is about what you're what's unfolding around you. Uh the Jarl seems uh Jarl Hanforth. Hanforth seems sullen but almost a little hammy like he's putting it on a little thick like he's like he's projecting a sadness kind of like when you like a politician like a politician crying on camera yeah you know he's giving that very like oh woe is all of us that very jeremiah like uh, we are all doomed dangling on a spider web type feel as he gives this ostensibly very joyous speech to a raucous a raucous bunch of mercenaries and travelers and traders and all sorts of you know rugged people yeah well Kalar buys all of it every single bit of it he obviously you know obviously this town is in great peril and that must be the reason why i have been sent here because of all of the perils. So he'll walk right up to the front, like at the edge of the stage, one hand with a big uh, chicken leg and the other hand with some mug that someone has handed uh, him that was called mead. Never had this, but Mm -hmm. it tastes good. And he is just wrapped right now. Like this is why I was here. It's a a very good mead. It's brewed with like elderberry. So it's got a little bit of that tart to it. Nice. It's, it's irresistible. Nice. So what's a question that either you or Kalar wants to like pick up from around the situation? So he wants to know what the threat is and what's how the... it's being handled or just what the threat is. So, um, you know, you've heard a few stories from around the Mead Hall of people reporting that um, adventuring parties, uh, adventuring parties, exploratory parties have been you know, ransacked, waylaid, put to rest. People have been scattered and routed. Something is looming in the caverns outside of this mead hall that is powerful and ancient and deadly. But everybody seems to be talking about it in very hushed tones. Mm. Almost as if, like... And you notice when people talk about it, like, they kind of talk about the people the people that have gone out in these parties in almost a disparaging tone. They're like, oh, those adventuring parties went out and they were wiped out. Of course they were. They weren't nearly as powerful as we were. Right. You know, it's a lot of people almost posturing that, like, if they were in that situation, it'd be fine. Of course, because they're in a bar. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something in those caves. I'll listen to these and then I'll find... One of is there one of them that seems more authentic than others? Like they actually know what they're talking about, or is everyone just bragging right now? Uh, there is a small table of I'm going to say two adventurers in like there are two. Uh, these are these are fur traders, right? They've got fur on. They've got fur capes and like pelts. All like their outfits are extremely fur decorated in yeah. a way that like a fur trader trying to advertise their wares would be. Sure. But it's all like one of badly scar- scorched and scarred and torn to shreds, and they're wrapped in bandages. Oof. And they seem consciously secluded from the group. Excellent. I will approach them. Mm. 
And they look up and they almost wince when they see a person approach. Ah. And Kalor is ridiculous. He's got long black hair, perfectly chiseled body, doesn't wear a shirt, and walks around barefoot. So he kind of sticks out mm-hmm. no matter where he goes. And he'll just sit right down, not thinking anything of it. Hello. Oh, you're you're talking to us. Okay, that's... Hey, hi. It's so nice to meet you. Uh... I, I am Kurth. This is this is uh this is Gorn. I am Kurth. Gorn. Uh, what is your name? Wow, somebody's talking to us. This is exciting. My name is Kalar. Kalar, uh, Kurth. Gorn. The wonderful. Um, hi. The, this is great. Um, you're not coming to like a, like a tat like beat us up or anything, right? No, that seems to have been done already. Oh, thank goodness. Oh my God, people have been like throwing things at us. All evening. It oh, that's just terrible. And Clark would like turn and catch a mug as, we, <laughs> as it was thrown right. in this direction and put it down. Have you had the mead? Uh, you know, we they 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 gave us a jug, but it was empty and then just kind of shrugged. So no, this will not be tolerated. And Clark gets up and storms towards the bar. And I think the fact that you've been sit that you sat with them even a moment means that like the bartender. Is like takes way too long to acknowledge you. Kalar will just stare at him, and if that doesn't work, he will just grab a jug of mead that he can find and walk mm-hmm. back. And I think like the bartender like screams a little bit, but there's too many people sort of like making demands, and yeah. so you come back with the jug and you put it down, and the three of you start talking, and they start telling you like what has happened and it was that they they were a fur they were a fur trading why don't you make me an insight roll sure i'll tell you the story and then make then then make me a roll they were a fur trading to the story they told you was that they were a fur trading group that uh they were fur traders they were travelers they were going from one port to the next they were on their way to cauldress when you know a winged beast from the sky came down and sprayed and sprayed them with lightning and suddenly the sky was lit up with 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 shimmering shades of thunder and agony and their party was was torn asunder they barely escaped with their lives all of the furs that they were transporting to call this were destroyed and everything is a mess and this this will keep happening unless an adventuring party of, of great enough power were to go out and find and slay that thing. Wow. Wow. Well, Kalar rolled a 13 and is highly entranced by this story. So um, the thing that you notice, these are the burliest fur traders that have ever traded furs. <laughs> these are, they, they appear as though, it looks like they are fully grown adults in a little league game of baseball. Yeah. Like they're just, they're big and muscular and they've got like battle scars that have already long since healed. They don't look like they, they should be trading furs under any way. Yeah. And you notice, um, the fur trade's very, rough. Yeah. Right. It's a tough business. <laughs> and you notice there's an old beaten up sword at one of their hilts, the kind that looks like it has most certainly seen combat before to, before like this most recent encounter. Well, you seem like men who know your way around a sword and know your way around combat, so this must be some impressive beast indeed. Uh, indeed. I mean, everyone around here must have a certain degree of 
uh, power. You know, obviously it's a dangerous time to be alive, but uh, we are merely no no greater fur trader than anyone else. And they, they, they sort of shift in their chairs a little bit. Hmm. Well, Kalar is a trusting sort, so mm-hmm. he'll take that answer. I shall slay this beast. It is your funeral, uh, I suppose. We can... Here's what we can do. And he leans forward. It's said that there is a massive, massive bounty on the head of this beast. We take you there. You are a hero of legend. You slay it. We split the bounty. Sounds good to me. I am not in need of money, but I do wish to end this terror. I will come with you. (sighs) Wonderful. And the three of you, like, and I think, like, the three of you go up to the to the Jarl and like they drag you. They drag <laughs> you to the Jarl like up to the Jarl and they're like, We shall we shall claim this beast, we shall we shall write this and we shall free us from the tyranny of this monster, the three of us. Kurf, Gorn, and I'm sorry, I, I totally spaced on your name. Could you say it again? Kalar. Kalar. Kurf, Gorn, and Kalar. We'll we'll do this together. And everyone is immediately like brushes them off until they say it two or three times. <laughs> No, really, we're here to kill the beast. Guys, All right, guys. Go, go, go do the thing. I am ready. Do you, are you two ready? You seem injured. We'll survive. All right, then. Lead the way. Sure. What does the, uh, does the guy in charge, does the Earl seem like at all convinced? No, not yeah. really. I think he seems, I think... When it's when it's Kurth and Gorn, I think Nyarl seems like fun, like meh, whatever. You you almost almost like writing them off, like writes them off to a certain extent. Sure, he's just marking the grave uh, plots as we're talking to yeah. him. Yeah. And then when they see you, when they see that there's a new person, he's like, "Oh, you seem new here. <laughs> I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with a barefoot, shirtless warrior among our ranks." Yeah, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> you, I'd like to see how 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 this plays out. Yeah, awesome. And so, you the three of you embark. Make me. Let's call this an. Let's call this a survival check. All right. Well, that's going to be a non-natural twenty. Fabulous. Excellent. Um. So you get not only do you find your way along like the hazards of these caves. Like along these hazards of these foothills, right? Yeah. Like you, you navigate. You actually, uh, when you come upon sort of the the den of the den of what is reported to be this beast, you've actually found yourself in a pretty advantageous position. What is that? What is that position? I would say, like, if there's a cave opening, right? Mm-hmm. That we uh, we found like a little path and over it and instead of going in right through the main cave there's a small almost natural chimney just a bit beyond it on top and Kalar's pretty convinced he can just get right down that i love it so then yeah like like you start to kind of make your way down this chimney and oh this is actually perfect you kind of land on uh like you come down and and part of why like part of why it seems like you'll be able to make your way comfortably down this chimney is because there's a series of platforms right like mm-hmm. you drop tw- you drop like 10 or 15 feet and there's like a little outcropping and you can kind of see that you should be able to basically make a series of short like 
five to ten foot jumps mm-hmm. and like jump from from platform to platform. Sure, and he can just a slow fall, slow fall, slow fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and maybe guide a rope down so that when they get down, they can just climb the rope. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. And so you start to kind of yeah. So you you land on one of these. Yep. This is exactly what's going to happen. You land on one of these these platforms, right? Like you make it two or three down. Sure. And you start you 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 make your way through, and you know they're they're sort of like slowly scurrying down. When, uh, from, make me a perception. What's your what? Make me a perception. Make what's what's your passive perception? My passive perception is eleven. Sorry, is twelve. Okay. Um, moments before it entangles your ankle, Uh-oh. you see vines and tiny, like, growths of plants just slowly creeping towards you. Oh, dear. Okay. And one of them goes out to, like, grab, like, grab your ankle and, you know, you move it just in time and it grabs, like, a little dead branch and you see it crush that branch like it was nothing. Oh, dear. I'm going to see if I can convince, like, not convince it, but, like kind of chase it back by waving the torch like at my feet in front of it. Uh that I think would be an intimidation. Is that until is that still a skill so. in 5e? Yeah, I know, right? I have to I have to check every time as well. And they they they've put them in a weird place in the book. Yeah. In 5e? Yeah. Yeah, intim- give me an intimidation. Yeah, I'll tell you what having D&D Beyond is just changed how I work both as a player and a DM. It's amazing. Uh, that's going to be a natural one. Fabulous. So I think what happens is, oh, I know exactly what happens. Um, you swing it and like a massive, a vine like wraps around it and extinguishes and basically like squeezes the torch, extinguishing the flame. This fight is going to happen in in darkness. Oh no. Okay. Well, that didn't work. (laughs) Awesome. And so I am going to give... I am going to give you, oh, oh, this is even better because this thing has blinds. Perfect. Yep. Of course. It is, you, it is going to, you are in, you are in darkness. You are going to have disadvantage on your attack. Hell yeah. Unt- okay. Unless you, unless you take action to light a torch or get some sort of light up to Kurth and Gorn as they, as they, as they scurry down the road. <laughs> right. Okay. Awesome. All right. Give me your initiative. My initiative is 17. All right, you are going first. These vines, this vine blight is, like, surrounding you, and it's just this mass of, like, withering, twisted, knotty, knotty, gross vines. Like, half-dead half, half, dead, half dead wood is just, like, lurching towards you. Question. Yes. Is it, are, are we both still holding the torch? Uh, I think, I think... I think you have the option to release the torch immediately before, like, it would be, it, it would be a fast enough thing. If you want to be holding on to it, you can, or you can let it go. I do. And it's pretty much wrapped around that torch as well. Mm-hmm. I mentioned, okay, then I am going to grip that torch with both hands and jump off the ledge and try okay. to drag the thing down with me. That's extremely cool. All right, I'm going to call this a dexterity check for you. Awesome. Opposed by a strength check for it. All right. Oh, that's going to work. I got 19 plus... Oh, uh, yeah, you did it yeah, effortlessly. Yeah, I got 23. <laughs> yeah, you did it effortlessly. You rip the, uh, like, the the blight itself kind of rips out of the ground, and you kind of, pieces of dirt and, like, root just start hitting you along, hitting you in the head as the two of you fall. Awesome. Awesome. And it's just, like, tumbling down, like, above you, and vines are, like, grabbing at things. Actually, yeah, I think on its turn... 
it's going to try and at least save itself. Yeah. Which I will also call a dexterity. Yeah. This is probably a hard check. And it does not succeed. So whatever your plan is from here, it goes off. Like, it's grabbing at other roots and plants, and it's just ripping them from the walls. Yeah, I'm going to try and slow fall, and I'm going to hopefully watch as it tumbles to its death. That's my plan. Okay. Well, not watch, because I can't see it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, is that a check, or do you just slow fall? No, so slow fall uh, with me means I can absorb... Uh, sorry, one second. It should be... I can absorb a certain amount of damage. Yes. Okay. I can uh, I can use my reaction when I fall to reduce any falling damage I take by 30. So you would roll falling damage and then we'd remove 30 points from that. Gotcha. Um, let me – I think we'll just call this 100 feet. That feels like a, that feels like a suitably bottomless pit. Yep. Because it's only cool. It's only cool if it feels like this is a bottomless pit. Yeah, absolutely. That's exa- so now where is – Falling. What's the falling damage rule? One die six per ten feet, right? Yeah, so ten d six. Okay, so I'm just gonna pull up a dice roller rather than roll a dice ten times. Awesome. God, I love falling and I love falling in role playing games. It's the best. Ten d six. Thirty six. Yeah, you watch. You take six damage and you watch it fall, fall and fall and fall and disappear into the ether. Nice. You eventually land with a, a painful thud, and you just hear from below. You just hear, give me a perception. This is going to be, e- this is going to be moderate. Uh, so this will be a 10. It's going to be 18 total. 18 total. Yeah. You hear from above. Oh, no. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he was our, he was our in. He was our guy. He's gone. We're out. I am not dead. What? I am not dead, my friends. Come down, but be careful. There are rope creatures. I believe I've killed it, though. <sighs> cha-ching. I mean, great. Happy happy to have you alive. <laughs> yes, cha-ching. He does not know what that means. Yes, indeed, cha-ching. <laughs> and they, they, they scurry their way down... And they like they pat you on the back, and so a cloud of t- a cloud of dust fall like c- picks up from around you from all the dirt that fell on you from having like an uprooted plant over your head. Oh yeah, and there's like some like weird aloe slime and crud like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the three of you are in this natural cave complex, and you can see from like slightly below you, right? Like like it it sort of you're on. The last outcropping before another sizable cliff that opens up into, you can see, it's a, it almost looks like a nest. Mmm, light another torch. What kind of nest? Uh, give me a nature roll. Oh, that's not going to be good. Or arcana. I think, I think. Doesn't matter. (laughs) It is a four. It's a nest. And it seems made up of some cave plants and chunks of wagon. The largest, larger than any bird's nest that you've ever seen. Mm, very large birds have been here. That's the, that's the beast's lair right there. When you say beast, large bird, is it less bird-like? Does it fly? It does fly. It you does said fly. it flies. It yes. definitely flies. Mm, and you said it shot thing that you? Yes. And that makes it a, and Clark's just racking his brain. Mm, is, it, is it a dragon? Let me find exactly what it shoots at you. 
Many flying beasts in the air who shoot things are indeed dragons. And Collar feels like he's, like, educating people now. Mm-hmm. Sharing his vast knowledge. Are those the big flying lizards? Galar doesn't know if they're lizards. Galar thinks for a moment. Mm, um, maybe. Yes, yes, the giant flying lizards. Yes, that sounds right. It's it's sprays acid and fire and steals steals tre- Yeah, it's a dragon. It's a dragon. Amazing. It is the massive, a massive colossal dragon. You know, a, a terror beast from beyond of elemental fury. The greatest nightmare creature that has ever been born. Then we shall slay this dragon. And they kind of, and they're like, all right, onward. Climb right. down the, climb down and we will join you. Weapons drawn and we will fight this thing to the death. Let's let, let's light the nest on fire. That. And they look at each other with a pause. Would work. Hmm. Let's wait though. We'll wait. We'll light it on fire on the way out. That way the beast can never return here. Ah, I like that. I like the way you think. Excellent. Onward, my friends. So you you descend down this cave wall. You know, um, you are looking among... (sighs) Make me another perception roll. Absolutely. That is going to be nine. Mm. So uh, you fail to notice... You fail to notice something unusual about this this massive nest. It's almost like you can stand in it. Right. Like there's like something something is off about it, but you can't figure out what. Mm, nor does sudden, nor would Kalar be concerned about that, <laughs> right? And you you feel you see that that twinkle in the distance, and you know that like your time your time is up, and the dragon approaches. Oh wow! All right, uh, then I do. would extinguish the the torch and press my back along like the. Are we in like a corridor heading that way? Or in a larger I, open room now? I think you're in a larger open room, and you are, like, the room itself is almost the nest. The nest seems to extend out into this, like, 100 by 100, or this, like, 80 by 80 room. Yeah. And, like, the whole room is made up of the nest. Is there any natural light in the in this room? Or is the um, only light coming from the torch? There's a little bit of natural light. I probably put it at like half visibility or like shadow, like low light. Yeah. Is coming in from like maybe gaps in like the caves where you can see the outside. Then I would extinguish the torch so as we're not a target. Press myself okay. up against the walls and start to slide around them and into the room as carefully and mm. quietly as I can. Make me that stealth check and yep. I will oppose it. That's better. That's going to be a 19. All right. Yep. You you effortlessly slide into the room. Uh, Kurth and Gorn come following behind you. And sure enough, like you watch this thing. You watch this thing land. You know, you see it. It's shimmering gold scales. It, it crashes in, a, in like a burst of fire and acid and smoke. And it lands and the smoke begins to clear as Kurth draws his blade. And you look upon this thing. And it doesn't, and you look around the rest of the nest, this thing is way smaller than this nest would suggest. Mm-hmm. This thing's about, like, it's larger than you. It's still large. It's still pretty, you know, sizable, but not significantly. It's probably, like, seven, eight feet tall, eight feet tall, about similar wingspan. Mm-hmm. 
That's suspicious. And it's gold scales, not black yep. scales. That is mm. correct. I would put my hand quietly behind me and like kind of signal for them to sheathe their blades. And I think uh, I think I'm gonna I think I think because they want to rush this thing, I'm gonna have to ask for I'm gonna ask for a roll for that. Sure, of course. This is gonna be a persuasion. Yeah. Or is persuade? Yeah, this will be whichever any any of your charisma skills, which you think is is the best fit for this. All of them are poor, so let's go with pers- let's go with uh, persuasion. Good. And that's going to be a twelve. Okay. Yeah, I think that they. I think like you put up your hand and they start to go and like they kind of have to like stop themselves. Sure. Almost as if like they don't want you. Almost as if they don't want you to to think there's something up. Yeah. They're almost trying to act normal. Sure. I will stride right out into the open. Hello, creature. The dragon rears back. I am not here to attack you, and I apologize for my trespass. I was led to believe you were a much larger creature. It, it cocks its head? It doesn't seem to understand what you're saying. Ah, uh, I do not speak dragon. Perhaps this, and I would take a stick... And I draw like a very large, rough dragon in the dirt, and then draw a tinier dragon next to it, point an arrow from the tiny dragon towards it, and then put an X over the larger dragon and assume that that will be understood. And it kind of like, it looks at this. I'm going to, it looks at this and it looks at you and it looks at this, it looks at you and it kind of like slumps down. And, like, kind of curls up into a ball a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, and I will... In, 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 a, in a very sad cat way. Oh, okay. Well, I will kind of, like, you know, I'll do, like, a little, uh, like, that kind of meditation sit mm-hmm. next to it. And I'll just kind of look the creature in the eyes and very slowly reach out a hand. And it um, it does not it does not turn away your hand, but it does uh, lift up a claw... You know, and it, and it shoots out one of those, like, six-inch claws on its hand. Wow. And Neat. it draws, next to this large dragon, a little sword. Okay. And then it crosses out the big dragon. Oh. Oh, I understand and, what's happened here. And then, and at that moment, you hear swords being drawn from behind you. I stand up. I turn around. I look at my... Friends, you have killed this creature's father or mother, but you have killed their parent. Is this true? It is. uh, uh, Hold, hold, hold your weapons in whatever form they take, be they magic or otherwise, hold them. All I got is fists. (laughs) Are we are but we are but uh, jewelry traders. We are but jewelry traders. Jewelry. We are, but yes, ju- jewelry. Does that? Oh, we refer traders. Oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you look a little scarred and large for fur <laughs> traders, unless you've been tackling owlbear pelts. Um, and they, you know, still holding their weapons, they just like step up to you. I crack my shoulders. You don't understand. Dragon scales are rich and powerful and sometimes people are it's 
our community thrives on rare on rare exports and priceless crafts. And sometimes you adventuring types are a little unwilling to do what needs to be done to harvest those goods. So an occasional lie is required. So you require this creature's pelt, even yes. though it is currently using it. Of course. And of course, and it's gems, and there are I'm certain there are, there's gold coins and gems and all manners of wondrous things deep in its hoard. All of which belong to it. Well, I mean, until it, it's no longer using them. This creature is under my protection. And they, they look at each other for a very long time, and they, they sigh, and they roll their eyes, and they go, The dragon has cast some sort of mind control spell on our friend. We had to kill him. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. It's the only way. Crack my knuckles. Let's go. And let's roll initiative. Awesome. That's going to be an 11. All right. They got a, they got a, I, they rolled a five. So you're definitely going first. All right. What are they both armed with? Um, short swords. I'd, I'd say Kurth has a short sword. Gorn has like a club. Okay. All right. I'm going to go for uh, the larger one then. That sounds like Gorn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go for Gorn. I'm going to spend a key point so I can do flurry of blows. Okay. Uh, my fr- my first hit is going to be a twenty six. Yep, that's that gonna pretty effortlessly hit. <laughs> uh, the second hit is a sixteen. Let me see. Sixteen does hit. Okay, and the third hit is going to be a seventeen. So those seventeen all also hits. Hit. So basically, he just comes right at him, punch, drives a knee, and then comes around with an elbow, mm-hmm. and does fourteen plus. So, 22 points of damage. Yep. Uh, Gorn goes down in one one fell swoop, you know, uh, as as if something out of a Tony Jaw film. You just effortlessly, like, bodes break, and he is just out like a light. And then I just stare at the other one, just standing over him. Give me an intimidation roll for that. Heck yeah. That's going to be a 16. All right. I uh, rolled a 19. So oh. Kurth is weirdly, weirdly ready yeah. and just like rushes you. And as he's rushing you, he flips out like a like a parrying dagger. Yeah. And starts swinging at you with both. Nice. First attack is I don't assume a I don't assume an 11 hits you. That will miss. And the second is a 19. That will hit. All right. Take four piercing damage. All right, so it just comes at me as he this, slashes like, you with this with this parrying dagger. Yeah, nice. So I I like dodge one, and then kind of cuts me across the arm. It's faster than he looks. And he taps his head. It's all about the. It's not about. It's not about strength. It's about brains. Mm-hmm. Let's take this one out, shall we? Is the uh, dragon doing anything? By the way, uh, the dragon I think is like. As we start the next round, the dragon is rearing back like it's afraid and right. like it's a going to lash out out of fear. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I will then try to end this quickly, and I'll spend another key point to do so, and we'll do a flurry of blows on this dude as well. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a 22. That hits, I assume? Yep. yep. Uh, does a 14 hit? It does. Okay. And then a 15 is going to hit. So 15, all three 15 hits. also hits? Yeah, basically comes around with a roundhouse 
uh, with a roundhouse and then follows up with two punches and does six, seven, 19 points of damage. Oh, yeah, you, you bring him down. Not, not, not quite as effortlessly as with Gorn, but you still, you still pretty decisively, like, take him out. Yeah, yeah, all right. So I make sure they're both out and not dead. Like, I'll check their pulses to make sure they're, they're not going to die. And then I will turn to my new friend, and I will say, what is your name, creature? It, um, and it kind of just, it cocks its head, and I think it, it shrugs a little bit, because I think it, it's, actually, I'm going to ask you for a roll. This is going to have sure. to be a charisma roll, or else this thing is going to lash out. Sure, fair enough. Oh, well, that's not bad. Um, 16. Um, that, that actually succeeds. Oh, wow. Yeah, you, you managed to, like, I think, I think given your, your previous, like, talk to him. Yeah. Given your previous talk to him, it, like, it calmed, like, you, like, it, no, it trusts you a little bit, so it kind of, like, calms down, and it, it, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of a shrug, like, it still doesn't fully know what, like, you're saying, but Mm -hmm. it's clearly, like, trusting you. I'll hold a hand to my chest and say, Kalar, Kalar. Like pointing to myself, mm-hmm. and I think it um, it holds a hand to its chest, and the best you're gonna get is it says it sounds like it says "erpop," but that's partially because it burped. I will take it. So, mighty creature erpop, your and I put point to his whole cavern. This not safe. Those people will return. We need to protect you. Because Kolar is fully convinced that mm-hmm. this is the creature he was sent to serve. Mm-hmm. He, he believes it now. He, he, didn't, he, he, he thought maybe at first it was them, but clearly not them because they are not worthy. But this mm-hmm. creature is worthy. And, and Kolar it, it, is the – sorry. It's picking up on what you're laying down and it's nodding its head. It's kind of jumping back and forth like, hmm, hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. We are going to make this place safe. And Kalar would set about, if the creature is willing, fortifying the cave a bit. Uh, you know, basically, you know, getting rid of some of the blind spots, getting rid of the uh, natural chimney, or, or at least putting some barriers in the way. And he would probably spend the next couple of days doing I mean, obviously, he has to do something with these guys. So he'll tie them up and uh-huh. he'll put them on the edge of the cave. And he'll wait until they wake up and then explain to them what the new order is going to be. Yeah. I love it. In fact, he, he, he's not going to wait. He'll tie, he'll, he, he will tie him up, go gather some cave water, and just splash him in their face. Ah, no. Hi. Um, oh, oh you're, still, you're still alive. We... As are you. Okay. This is what well. you're going to do. You're going to return back to the village. You're going to tell them that the beast is scarier and mightier than you could ever have imagined, that you barely escaped with your lives, that it killed me in one bite. And you will tell them to never return here. Of course. No, of course. You've got it. You've got it. If you don't, we will find you. No, yeah, you, you, can, you can count on us. What, come on. What, what, what reason do you possibly have to not trust your good friends, Kurth and Gorn? You are not my friends. You are liars, and you are thieves. You are unworthy of my friendship, but I will forgive it this once. 
That is fair. We appreciate that. Good good day to you. And I think they kind of like, hands still tied, like hobble, and like they hobble out, and they're like, all right, we're going to head back. All right. And I'll turn to my new dragon friend, Urpop. I will say, even though he can't fully understand me, Urpop, they will spread the word that none shall come back here, but I will remain and help you defend it. For we are friends now. And he'd like put a hand out on the okay, dragon's shoulder the, if it allows the, it. He, like, he, he, does the, he does the same thing. And for the next few days, you fortify, you fortify the nest. We get a nice montage yes. of like the two of you bonding. <laughs> I think that like, I think that, you know, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say like over the next like week, I'm going to, I'm going to say if you would like to take, if you'd like to speak Draconic, and I think this thing is going to learn, uh, common. Hot. We're just like teaching each, each other some words. I love yeah, it. Yeah. You, you have some basic communication. Yeah. You learn that like, yeah, like it has been, you know, hunted through the cave complex Sort of the cave complex, you learn that the cave complex that the dragon lives in is sort of somewhat connected to this underground, like, village complex. Right. And they have been, you know, in their words, harvesting sort of magical items and goods. And they've sort of made a living off of selling these repurposed, these repurposed magical things. And, uh, you know... It has been, and bit, but given that they are drag, that they were dragons, they needed to bring in, like, hired adventurers. Some of them were lured with money, some of them were lured with deception. Right, right. And this has been feeding their economy. Is, is Urpop the only one left? Urpop is the only one left. Oh. At least of this, this clan of dragons. As a orphan, Kalar feels that, because he was abandoned at this monastery. And he has never known family beyond himself and the priests who raised him. So that tugs at him a little more than he would have expected. And he redoubles his efforts. And so, you know, you fortify, you close off the entrances, the the places of the cave that, that will connect. And for about a week, for a period, all is quiet. I just see us sleeping on a pile. Kalar kind of wrapped up in his tail. You know? and, and I think that that restful sleep is, is jarred by the clanging of steel and the, the shaking of torches outside of one of the caves. As uh, as the Jarl in his war carts ra- you know, arrives out and says, It is time to slay the dragon. It is time to slay the dragon and the, the doppelganger and points to everyone and kind of gives like a nod, like we're all in agreement that has <laughs> that has that has taken uh, that is that has taken taken us in as rubes as fools, and has taken in residence with this dragon. We shall oh. we shall flay them and we shall use the dra- the doppelganger blood for I don't know, shape change potions. Right. Sure, I love that they all don't believe it, but they're saying it out loud anyway. That's the best. Oh, yeah. All right, then I would turn to Urpop, and I would well I. I feel like I would know this cave complex pretty well at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Where's mm-hmm. the best place for an ambush? Um, make me a survival. Uh, would that be? Let's see. Do we want that? Would that be survival? You think survival, nature? What do you think would be the best role for this? Survival seems about right. Survival seems yeah, right. I mean, they're all low, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, all right. Well, that's an eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, you have. So there is um, probably. 
you have closed, you knew to close off the chimney that you came down yeah. because you know that they knew to come down that chimney. So like it's nice and well trapped. So that initial outcropping over which you saw the nest originally yeah. is like a prime spot for an overhead ambush. All right. Then I will, I will instruct Urpop to take refuge in the furthest cave back and only to engage if I yell for help. Mm. And then I will go up top and try and get a better look and perhaps a drop on them. Be safe, friend. Yes. I will be. And you as well. I will be. And and he flies off and you are in this overhead. And you watch the Yarl with like a handful of, of you know, Kurth and Gorn are there and a handful of other. And then the Yarl takes his big, his like scepter, holds it by the skull and like clangs it on the ground a few times. And you hear the rattling of armor. And like a gunk, gunk, gunk. And it echoes. And you see, they, they are like, we have brought, bring forth, bring forth the Ur warrior. Bring forth the, bring forth the slayer. Oh. We take no chances tonight. And this thing walks. And it is six and a half feet tall armor head to toe from underneath the armor and the armor is intricate mm -hmm. and spiked lined with gemstones massive great sword in its hand equally i think lined with like dragon pieces of dragon scales and uh the the nose ring of a minotaur is dangling from the bottom of it Yeesh. just various pieces of other like mythical beasts that have been taken from this from this village right um, and it comes forth and you see underneath the armor is just a hellish red glow. Well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> All right. If I'm like up on the cave above them as they're waiting mm -hmm. to come in, I would stand up. I would make myself known and I'd be like, none need to die tonight. If you enter, you will all perish. There are nightmares and traps beyond your wildest beliefs. I have called friends to aid me. They will tear you apart. If you wish not to die, challenge me. For I wish to challenge that. And I would point towards the beast. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, you know, without missing a beat, like it had been walking towards the back and without missing a beat, it turns on a perfect 90 degrees and starts walking and just hands into the mountain. Like it closes, it puts the sword on its back, yeah. closes its gauntlets and just punch climbs its way up this cave wall. Awesome. And the Arl sits back and says, if you wish to die by the Slayer's hand, you may die by the Slayer's hand. I mean, it is our greatest warrior. It is the thing that will slay our, that will slay our dragon. And Surely if, it will make quick work of this. What did you say? Was it do, doppelganger? Definitely a doppelganger. Evil, evil. Shaped, took the shape of a minute. It was d dangerous. Dangerous doppelganger. My name is Kalar. And if I defeat this beast you have summoned, you shall not bother this cave again. If you think you can best this thing, you take give your best. I mean, it can uh, no, none may stand before the Slayer, and like the Jarl is holding, clutching that 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 skull scepter, and like his you see his knuckles going white, and he's just even if he does not admit that that you're a hundred percent right that if you beat this thing, they are going to leave. Yeah. he's 
he know he knows full well that if you beat this thing, there is nothing any of them are going to do. Are they directly below me? Yeah, uh, I think they're a little bit low and maybe like sixty yards back. Gotcha. So I couldn't do a running leap and just land on them. Okay, fair enough. No, no. Well, the the the. The Slayer is directly is now directly in front of you. They are about they are underneath. You probably could if you didn't have to worry about this thing. Right, exactly. I can try and knock it onto him. Okay, I am going to then fight this unholy okay. beast. Alright. I got I got a twenty on Oof. my initiative. I got a thirteen. Alright, excellent. Good, good, good. So yeah, it um it just lumbers towards you and it draws out that great sword, draws out that blade, and it just starts taking massive swing after massive swing, like burying the sword in the sto- like in the rock and yep. pulling it out with a superhuman strength. Oof, that is terrifying. Does a nineteen hit? It sure does. Then, then a 23 definitely does. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, so this is going to be 2D, uh, 1D10 plus 4, 2D10 plus 8, 9, 17, 25 damage. Jeez, yeah. Assume that... that you've healed all of the health from the previous battle. Thank you. Yeah, that, um, that hurt. I'm not going to lie. All right. Uh, well... Kalar is going to try something. He's going to go into flurry of blows. He's going to maneuver himself a little around the creature and hopefully knock it back mm-hmm. onto this guy below. We'll see okay. what happens. Uh, is a 19 going to hit? 19 does not hit. <sighs> okay, well, no, wait. Eight. A 19 exactly hits. Oh, my God. Okay. Because it has a, it normally has a shield, but it's using its sword with both hands. I got a 19, a 24, and a 20. So okay, yeah. I just got lucky on that, what it looks like. I am going Well, the 20 and the 24 would have hit even with its shield, right. but the shield adds an armor class. So Terrifying. Okay, nice. That would be 14 plus 15. So that is 29, and he has to make a reflex, reflex save. Listen to me. He's got to make a dexterity save, DC 13, to not get knocked 10 feet back. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, you punch. And I think what happens is literally like you punch, you punch through a a chunk of it. Right. Nice. And it rattles and like pieces of it fall away and you punch into it. You punch through a chunk of metal, like a chunk of armor and some of it like scratches and cuts your hand a little bit. And you just feel what you feel on the other side. Your hand just feels this almost gelatinous, pure energy. Right. It's just this this energy, and you pull your hand back, and it burns a little bit. Oh, that's terrifying! And it's and it's like tumbling and, and toppling. And you said to make a a uh, deck save. Yeah, a DC thirteen to see if it gets knocked ten feet back. All right. Oh, it does not. It is a hundred percent knocked backwards. You nice. knock it. You send it tumbling back. Nice. So you send it tumbling, and um. I'm going to, what I'm going to say, yeah, you send it tumbling and I'm going to give everyone else the opportunity to, I'm just going to roll once for the whole, for the whole kit and caboodle. Sure. Um, I'm going to say they, I'm going to say at least Kurt and Gorn do not get out of the way and they are not gun conscious again, just because I love, <laughs> just because they're jerks and they're fun. They're fun. They're fun henchmen to beat up. 
Whoa, whoa. They get knocked out. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Jarl probably even throws them in his, like, in the way to, like, yes. push himself out. Excellent. And the thing tumbles down, and it takes five, eight, 14 more damage, so that's 44 damage. It is, and it's, and you see pieces of it shatter, and it just climbs back up to its feet, and it's wobbling and it just starts and just starts marching like it wobbles for a second and then steals itself pun intended and then right. starts like climbing back up the wall excellent as that happens i shout erpop get the staff and it bursts forth in a in a cloud of fire and fury and and acid and um it it effortlessly grabs the staff and like just carries it and it kind of it looks to you as if it, as if waiting, it's, it's like, as if waiting at command. It's like, what, what now? I'll just put a hand up for the staff. And it throws it effortlessly and you catch it. Shatter it over my knee. Oh, and it's, nothing happens because it was not a magical staff. Oh. And the Jarl <laughs> is just like, no, that was, no, it was so cool. It was such a cool thing. <laughs> That's very anticlimactic. <laughs> he just left with this shattered staff in his hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone around is like, oh, that, that was, I spent a long time making that. <laughs> I carved that for months. I had to, I had to kill a dryad to get that spine. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> yes, that's exactly the right response. I, I assume this thing is still coming, right? And it just, it climbs back up and it's, you know, one of its arms is like dragging along the ground as it like jerks it back up, almost like jamming it back into its shoulder socket Ugh. as it just like continues to like lurch towards you. Oh, this poor thing needs to be put out of its misery. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. And it, uh, so 14 hit you? It does not. So then a six, a six, an eight definitely does not. No. All right. Yeah. So at this point, it's got the sword and it's just like that one arm that's being held up by like crackling lightning is just like lashing around like a whip and it's just striking wild and you're able to like read where it's going to be just a few seconds in advance. All right. I'm going to try and put this thing down. I'll spend one more key point. That's going to be a 21. Yep, that hits. A 14. Does not hit. And a 19. Uh, 19 hits. All right, so two of them. That's going to be seven points. So another 17 points of damage. Oh, and it, yep. Describe describe the finishing blow on this helmed horror. So as this thing is coming towards me, just looking pathetic and sad, and the rage that was in its eyes has now faded into almost like this helplessness almost mm-hmm. as if Kalar can feel it willing to die and mm-hmm. Kalar just drives a uh, um, a hand into its knee again it just kind of drops down takes at its knee and then comes up with an elbow as hard as he can underneath the chin and just spins the head around dropping the thing I love it yeah, and it just tum. The energy dissipates, like it crackles and and uh, and a thunderous explosion. It throws you into a wall, and just tumbles into a pile of junk on the floor. Right. People are scrambling. The Arl head down is like everyone is running to the carts. 
the dragon chases after them, blows up the cart, and they are left running by foot back to their little, back to their little, like, uh, their little mead hall. <laughs> and the two of you stand together. And it just says, you know they will be back. And I turn, and I place a hand on its shoulder. And I will be here, my friend, for we are bonded now. As will I. And I'll give him a hug. And he hugs you back. <laughs> this beautiful friendship is cemented for a lifetime. <laughs> and I think that's game. Oh, that's amazing. That was lovely. That was that was that was way more like wholesome and fun than I thought it was gonna be. Oh, that's perfect. I'm so pleased with that. That turned out perfectly. Oh, and the the helmed horror, like here, the thing here's the thing. The Helmed Horror is, like, a cool monster, and it, yeah. it's cool partially even because it just doesn't do anything, like, fancy. It's just a big, scary armor thing, but that's still, like, cool and scary. I'm it, happy with it. Anything that's big like that that just doesn't stop coming and doesn't mm-hmm. say anything and doesn't negotiate is always terrifying. Oh, it's so good. That was very – that was a fun game. That awesome. was very fun. Awesome. <sighs> Aram, thank you for coming on Party of One. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Uh, so real quick, where can people find you and your work online? Sure. So you can find uh, my work at godsfall.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vartian, V-A-R-T-I-A-N, or at Godsfall, G-0-D-S-F-A-L-L, because Godsfall was taken by some kid. <laughs> yeah, isn't, that, isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. This was an absolute delight. And now I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Aram for coming onto the show. That episode was a blast. Be sure to check out Godsfall at godsfall.com. And be sure to check out Rise of the Demigods at twitch.tv slash godsfall. Also, be sure to follow Godsfall on Twitter at godsfall spelled with a zero instead of an O because the name Godsfall was taken. Speaking of Twitter accounts that were available, while you're on Twitter, you should follow us at Party of One Pod. Then like the show at facebook.com slash Podcast. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash partyofonediscord. And if you enjoy the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation to a friend. All of those things help new listeners find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. You can also support the podcasting, community support, game design, all the other cool stuff that I do on Patreon at patreon.com slash jeffstormer. Do you like podcasts? Do you like role-playing games? Do you like Jeff Stormer? If you answered yes to at least two of these things, I think I've got a podcast that you'll really enjoy. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network, powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt, we spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday at allmyfantasychildren.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates or about coming onto the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.